I'm Nick Abrahams, and welcome to Web3, From Mystery to Main Street, the podcast where we talk about how technologies like crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and the metaverse are being successfully embraced by mainstream businesses. Well, welcome, everyone. My name's Nick Abrahams. Welcome to Web3, From Mystery to Main Street. And today we've got a very interesting discussion uh, with Mark Bailey and Josh Ho, who are in the crypto forensics team at Hall Chadwick. And so what we're going to talk about today is this concept of the anonymity of blockchain and crypto. And I know uh, certainly in my experience, I've had a number of potential clients come to me with propositions around setting up DAOs or other things. And they seem to be basing the notion on um, the anonymity of the DAO or the anonymity of wallets and so forth and and the blockchain's ability to, in some way, uh, obfuscate who's actually responsible for the transaction. Um, Generally speaking, I'm not super comfortable in working with folks on that basis because I do come from a belief that uh, ultimately, particularly the tax office, uh, we'll find, uh, out who's, who's making money off things. So, um, and it's not just the tax office. What we have seen is in large disputes, people are prepared to put a lot of money into forensics teams like, uh, Mark and Josh, uh, and try to find out, uh, you know, exactly what's happening in the transaction. So Mark and Josh, crypto forensics, welcome to the team. Thanks nice to be here. So let's just um, maybe just starting off a little bit, which is, um, can you describe, I guess, the services that the crypto forensics team offers? Sure. Uh, I might go back a little bit in terms of the right. journey, in terms of how, how we ended up here today in some ways. About, yeah. I think it was four or five years ago, I was appointed by the Supreme Court in Victoria for taking of account in respect to a, uh, a company um, whose records were uh, weren't able to, uh, I guess, evidence and a lack of transparency in terms of what what went on. And, and one of the issues was a number of cryptocurrency transactions. So, so that that was our starting point. And then o- over time, the inquiry continued to increase in terms of. Uh, Tracing assets or finding assets and, and making sense of uh, crypto and the blockchain. And certainly five years ago, I struggled with it. And, uh, so we, we've invested a lot of time and resources into building a team and the technologies and the experience. And, and as you know, Nick, this, the area just changes by the day. So, um, yeah, investing a lot of time in trying to keep up with the entrepreneurs and the things that they're up to. So, so, th- so that's le- led us to de- developing a team that uh, now can trace, you know, qu- and, and quite quickly sometimes. And when I say quickly, I mean within minutes sometimes for some jobs, um, transactions across the blockchain. Um, so, so essentially. What what that means is, as you know, the blockchain is a permanent record of what's happened um, going back to day one, and and the blockchain is anonymous. However, the on and off ramps are not anonymous. So 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 that's where um, our, our work is either 
with a starting point of um, we know who the person might be. So we're, we're going into the blockchain to find out what they may have been up to, or it's a case of um, not knowing uh, who the person is or um, yeah, mainly who, 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 we don't know who the person is, but we can follow through the blockchain to an on or off point to, to work out their um, identity. So, so that's two, I guess, very different situations. Um, so, so that, that means verifying assets, um, finding wallets, hidden wallets, uh, people not disclosing wallets. Um, the type of situations might, like, un- unfortunately, for a lot of fraud, Related matters of um, people that have invented. It's like I was explaining to someone the other day. Pete, the Colosseum's real. You go to the Colosseum, but out the front, there's down the lane. There's some pretty dodgy people selling tickets. So if you buy the ticket from the wrong person, you don't get to go in and see the Colosseum. And 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 I, and I think that's that's speaking to some people that haven't been involved so much in in crypto that. There are people that are scared, you know, they're interested, but they're scared. They don't really know how to even go and buy crypto and, and they're worried that they'll be buying the ticket from the dodgy bloke in the lane and, and not get to see the Coliseum. So, um, so we're doing a lot of work in the, in the fraud space, uh, commercial disputes. So it's companies that have raised money in crypto, um, or, or, uh, yeah, du- du- during the last couple of years with the volatility of business, some people have s- speculated with the company's money in terms of investing in crypto and, and that doesn't always go well. So, so, you know, did the money really, um, was it really lost in tra- transacting and investing or did the money kind of skip across to someone's mate's wallet and, and they've tried to exit? Um, and, and the other big one for us is in the family law where people aren't disclosing, uh, their, their crypto investments or, or they're under, under disclosing. Um, and not, not, not a big, not a big thing in terms of work that's come to us, but I'm sure it's a big one out there is, uh, in the self-managed super fund space. Um, and yeah, you know, I worry a bit for SMSF auditors because once somebody, once somebody starts buying and selling crypto as opposed to just buying, how would a self-managed super fund auditor actually know what's happening in yeah. terms of who, who did, did, was the money, was the, were the crypto investments just sold on the market or were, were they actually transferred off into someone's private wallet? And we, we have looked at a couple and determined it's not what the self-managed fund auditor thought. And, and, and without the tools and the skill, there's just no way you could sign off on a self-managed super fund audit. So I think that one's, that one's coming. I, I feel like we've got, I feel like there's a TV show in this. It's Mark and Dorian sort of <laughs> CSI, uh, type stuff. Because, you know, what's fascinating is, you know, on, often on the, on the show, we talk to people. It's all about the positivity of crypto and NFTs and so forth. And there is a lot of that. Um, and a lot of enthusiasm around the space. But I guess, you know, as 
Mark, Josh, and, and myself know that, you know, there's always a corollary to this, which is, you know, people don't make money, um, you know, just ad infinitum. Uh, it's not always a bull market. And so things, the services that you're offering, um, you know, often it's, it's when things have come a little awry. And, you know, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, you know, it's, it's fine. Or, well, you know, someone's, someone may be punting some of the company's money on crypto. And it's not a problem until it's a problem, you know, until the crypto market um, tanks in some way and then they get themselves caught. And it's, you know, this is as old as time itself. So we've, you know, we've seen this across organisations, um, you know, for, for, you know, many, many years. So, um, so it is, it is interesting that it's, uh, you know, that, that you're starting to see a much bigger flow of work. I agree entirely in the self-managed super fund space that, and I think, um, you know, most, uh, most advisors would say, you know, it's, it's a difficult asset to hold directly in an SMSF. Um, obviously there are some funds around which can be held, but indeed one of the problems that we came across the other day was even just, you know, with people transacting, buying things with crypto and so forth, it becomes very awkward because um, the crypto was bought at a particular price point. Then when they buy something, even something as simple as, you know, a cup of coffee at Starbucks or something, mm-hmm. you immediately crystallize a transaction, which for the sake of the, the tax laws, you know, then becomes a, uh, you know, it's a capital gains tax event, but, you know, just the buying of a cup of coffee because you've gone from, you know, effectively transferring you know, an asset which was a Bitcoin or part of a Bitcoin into then uh, a coffee. So, so a lot of complexity. It comes as no surprise to me that the, um, you know, SMSF auditors would struggle in this space. I guess, are there any sort of specific cases that, um, that you can sort of, uh, sort of drill into around what people have been, you know, what people have been doing and how they've been sort of hoping to hide them? Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll let Josh tell a few stories. Here we go. Um, <laughs> we were gonna, this is what we came for. No names. No names. names. No <laughs> names. Um, Everyone loves a good story. <laughs> so we, there's this specific assignment. We were approached to provide our feedback on this party's uh, asset holdings where crypto assets was involved. And what we had to do was to verify the assets and liabilities of this individual. And I can't say much apart from describing what we did. So, you know, the individual came in, declared that he holds cryptocurrencies, put it on the assets and liabilities statement on paper. It was nothing extraordinary, made some profit. And he provided some statements and screenshots of his um, wallet balances. Um, it's, it's nothing extraordinary. At first glance, he made some profits trading crypto, converted to Australian dollars or in the world of cryptocurrencies, you call it fiat, um, transferred back and forth between his bank account, crypto exchange. Um, his crypto holdings did not appear to be significant either. Uh, it's a few thousand dollars um, uh, in Ethereum and Bitcoin. As I say, at first glance, it looked quite straightforward, but the documents that we had only told us half of the story. They were useful to tell us what he had at that point in time or what we wanted to know, but we wanted to know if there were other exchanges or personal wallets or non-custodial wallets that this individual had used in the past and not disclosed. And we were able to do that. 
by reviewing the transactions that occurred on the blockchain or on-chain transactions. Look at, we looked at the withdrawals that he had made over a period of time from the exchange and all the interactions that he had between his private wallets and the exchange. And surprise, surprise, we uncovered a few private wallets or personal wallets that this individual holds outside an exchange and a number of exchanges that he had used in the past, which he did not disclose. Now, not only that, one of the private wallets, personal wallets, holds a stash of very, very valuable non-fungible tokens, NFTs. And I'm talking about board apes, digital land parcels in Decentraland, Sandbox, and some <laughs> other wow. one and other. Oh, my uh, gosh. And, and, and I was quite surprised. Was on the trial. Look, looking at, <laughs> at the behavior, right, you would think that he would know all these are public, you know, information, but yeah. chose not to disclose it. And the other party had no idea of all these secret wallets. So the discovery was very, very useful to the party that engaged us to do the work. It wasn't a complex exercise, but it worked because of the blockchain. We looked at, you know, the transactions and because of how transparent the blockchain is, you hop onto the internet, you put in the wallet details or transaction on the public ledger and everything is there. So, and- so let's drop into that a little bit because I know, and you know, we talk about the blockchain. Obviously there's mm-hmm. not sort of one universal blockchain. There's a number of, I guess, layer ones is what you're talking about with sort of ocean, mm-hmm. sort of, you, you know, you're looking. How, how does that roll out technically? I mean, without dropping sort of into exactly the technical details, but so, so you know one wallet address. And so that's, I, I assume it was sort of sitting on an Ethereum, uh, and so you, you're able to look at that. And then is it possible for anyone without sort of consent necessarily to look at all the transactions of that wallet sort of to and from? Is that how that works? Or? Yeah, absolutely. All you need to do is go to a specific website, enter the wallet details, or if you have the transaction details, you can see everything that the wallet that, that has interaction since the, the creation of the wallet. Every single transaction since it was created to, you know, to the date when you access the wallet. So everything is out there. It's public. All you need, it's just a piece of information and a tracker. Right. And then, then you go from, from that one wallet. Um, you can then see, okay, well, there's been a bunch of transactions involving that wallet. And then you go to the other wallets that are transacted with. Correct. And then you follow the chain. Correct. You follow the money. You follow the money. You follow the transactions. And that, that leads to every single transaction that one wallet interacted with another. It's all linked together. So as long, it's, as long as you follow the money, you uncover, sometimes you uncover nothing. Sometimes you find out things that, you know, that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The party really is close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like the tools are, they're very powerful tools. Um, and, as you probably know, Nick, the you know, regulators all around the world are um, watching the blockchain, mm. and 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 they're you know they're, they're they're designating risk wallets from you know big crime um, from a big crime perspective, and, and and they're and they're catching they're catching the serious big players, uh, and, and they and it's the same kind of tools and techniques that. We're using in in a uh, you know we're, we're not chasing the Lazarus group and, yeah. and those types. Yeah. Um, so we're dealing with more mainstream 
um, activity, if you like, in terms of whether people have done the wrong thing, not disclosing or um, smaller scale um, fraud. Um, but the tools are very powerful. And uh, so, uh, you know, if people think they can get away with something today and maybe they will get away with it today, but because it's permanent. Yeah. Uh, in I a year or two, someone will come back and look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was, well, it was interesting. I noticed on, you know how with, um, on your MyGov uh, account, um, that you can go on there and the tax office tells you what they know about you, you know, what, what, um, account you have. And last year, um, they had, I think it was, it was the first time, well, it was the first time I recall seeing it. Um, they said, we know that you have some cryptocurrency. It was, they didn't, they didn't have any details of it, interestingly enough. But, um, but they did, you know, there's a, a section on there saying, you know, be sure to report your cryptocurrency trades. And I was like, wow, that is, um, that is interesting. So I think for those folks who particularly, you know, what we have seen, if you, if you look at two to three years, you know, the last two to three years, there've been some astronomical gains we see on crypto. Things leveled out, you know, about a year ago and obviously, you know, have, you know, in some cases, Gone negative, but I do wonder, um, you know, wh- what, how this will wash up because I think there's a lot of people keeping money or keeping, you know, um, uh, crypto on chain and, and, you know, we've obviously seen the growth of the NFT market and so forth, giving a digital asset that could stay on chain so they don't have to off ramp into fiat. But I do wonder whether we're going to see, you know, folks like the tax office. Um, you know, ultimately get around to, to audits and so forth. I mean, do you, do you see that as, as a likely scenario? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Ab- absolutely. Cause as I said, some of the jobs that we've done, it's only taken a couple of minutes for us to work out, <laughs> uh, what's, what, what people have actually been doing compared to what they say that they've been doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Absolutely, from a tax office perspective, um, I think they'll be they'll be coming. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I feel and, like, and, they, and they, as you say, they, they they do have a program that's building. Um, you know, a year or two. Okay. You know, if you went back a couple of years ago, there'd be nothing from a crypto perspective on if people have been to the website and see what the ATO's got on you in terms of your dividends and your bank accounts, and then mm. last. Year they started saying, oh, you know, we think you've got crypto. So, so that that's in progress. So that that will only become stronger and stronger over over time. Yeah, I feel like there's a collective. Um, there's, there's going to be a collective sense of, oh my god, from a lot of the audience members here um, <laughs> yeah. listening to this, because I I do sense that um, there is there is a perception uh, within some some crypto players that. That this is just an unregulated world. That and yep. you know, I often often find myself with well, I find myself with some folks who sort of see me as a bit of a buzzkill because I'm like, well, you know, we've got to think about you know how you know there's, there's KYC and there's AML and there's a whole range of issues associated uh, with crypto. And there's you know, I, I do hit that wall where people are like ah, you know, but we you know we, we it's just going to be wallet based. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think I. I- like my, my my reading is that um, the you know what whilst the the Bitcoin white paper talks about anonymity, 
I think it's been taken out of context. The, the purpose of the anonymity is is to enable transactions to happen efficiently and not get caught up in, you know, this transaction is with this person and this one is with this company and we're going to block that one or we're going to fuse that one. It, it, it's it's you know, part of, and and the the trust and transparency element. Um, yes, it's reduced to this pseudo anonymous concept of what wallet numbers, etc. But I, I cannot imagine that the idea of the anonymity was to enable a market where people can do whatever they want, because yeah, that that market, uh, it, like it. Surely it's either limited in its life or, you know, from a regulation perspective or, or it will just implode. So the, 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 the anonymity part is to enable an efficient transaction system. Um, and, and, uh, you know, whilst it sounds a bit kind of cloak and dagger and negative in terms of the things that we're discussing, I think it's really, in many ways, it's, it's um, it's a positive and really important that people like us are in there trying to assist with the transparency and trust part of it because that will bring more people to the the, the crypto world. You know, I spoke about some people that you know they're, they're people. There are a lot of people that are very scared, and then obviously a lot of people have been burnt. Yeah, but it's not by it's not by the technology. It's yeah. by the people on the outside trying to scam the system. So. Yeah, like regulations clearly coming and, and the faster it comes, the better. You know, last week alone, we had, um, five people contact, contact us re crypto fraud. And, and, and as I say, th- wow. now these, these are the blokes down the lane selling the dodgy tickets to yeah. the Coliseum. Um, so I, I guess in terms of people listening, you know, just because the, the website that you're dealing with looks like it's some big UK investment company. Yeah. Doesn't mean it is. Yeah. People, yeah. people really do need to do their homework in terms of who they're dealing with before they hand over their money. And, and when somebody says, before I give you your investment returns, you have to give me some, some more crypto. <laughs> you, you are not in a good situation. Oh my gosh. You it's, are it's, not in it's a, a classic situation. behavior. Yeah. yeah. It's the Nigerian loan scam. Reimagined. Yeah, this stuff to me, it's really important for, you know, the entrepreneurs that are out there trying to do, you know, fantastic things. Yeah. They need the trust, the certainty, the clarity, the transparency. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just crucial for, for the technology to develop further. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're absolutely right that, um, you know, even you look at rug pulls that we've seen in relation to, you know, various NFT releases and, you know, the NFT market, it's sort of, it's, it's come off a little bit, although some of the legacy mm-hmm. stuff, you know, Josh, you mentioned apes and so forth. That's, the, you know, the pricing on that still stays pretty good, but we've seen some terrible situations with, you know, scams in relation to NFTs. Um, maybe just changing tax slightly, the, um, so we see, you know, a lot of ransomware around the place right at the moment. Um, you know, it's really developed over the last couple of years. Then there was the, the Centennial Pipeline case in the US where there was quite a significant ransom paid there and the FBI was able to um, sort of trap and lock um, and recover 
Um, not not all of it, but a decent amount of the ransomware. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, is that possible in the case of, so with ransomware payments, for example, you know, we, we know that, you know, you're forced to, you know, I've acted on a number of these cases where we're forced to pay ransom in Bitcoin, but how simple or hard is it to track where that payment goes to and then, uh, actually trapping it so that it's not able to to go and then you you can recover it is that you know it's, it sounds it sounds complex to me but interested in your views yep i'll i'll take this so i think you are referring to the colonial pipeline yeah colonial, sorry, colonial yeah, 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 yeah yeah colonial so yeah. colonial a bit of a background um colonial pipeline is an american oil pipeline system originated in houston texas and i think in may last year their computer system was hacked and, yeah. and it was through one of the user's account password that was compromised from what I read. And, um, they had no choice but to shut down the system. And apparently it was the largest cyber attack on the oil infrastructure in the history of the United States. And I think Joe Biden declared, um, state of emergency mm-hmm. on the day yeah, of, the, of, of, yeah. of the day of the attack. Yeah. Now what the hacker did is they requested a ransom of 75 bitcoins. At the time, or equivalent to 4.4 million. Uh, they had no choice. They had to pay the ransom. Um, and, and it was a huge disruption to the system. And in return, I think after they make the payment, the hackers send them some sort of application to resume their system operation. Now they, they also stole, I think, 100 gigabytes of data from Colonial Pipeline and threatened to leak it if the ransom wasn't paid. So. Um, they did make the payment and subsequently FBI was involved in the matter and a number of government agencies were also involved too. But because of the blockchain, I think using the blockchain technology and some traditional uh, investigative tools, the US government managed to trace the movement of funds and recovered 63 Bitcoin from the hackers, which was equivalent to the 2.3 million at the time. Um, now this was not confirmed. Apparently they I think the U.S. government managed to get hold of the private key of of probably one or two or some of the wallets. Um, but if the movement of funds is fully visible on the blockchain, if you use a visualization tool, right, you can see the crypto funds being paid out of the Gemini crypto exchange because that's where it was paid out to a number of wallets associated to the hackers. And I think the group name, I can't remember the group name now. So you can see the flows of funds move several hops through a number of wallets. Then it went to a group of wallets that was flagged by um, by the authority as related to this hackers group. And and when the U.S. government managed to recover the Bitcoin, you can see the amount leaving the group of wallets controlled by the hackers out of out of those wallets to the government controlled wallet. So so everything is visible on wow. the blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. Just phenomenal. Okay, so it was just it was just good investigative techniques that allowed the government to um, to trigger. And I mean, does it does it then become at some stage? Uh, how do they off ramp that money? At you know, how, how do they is as in if for the for the perpetrator? Because at some stage, I assume you know they need to eat. Um, and so, does it, if you can continually watch that 
go through all of the wallets uh, sort of an infinite number of times, does it just become so complicated that that you can't see where it off-ramps or will you always be able to see where it off-ramps? I think uh, based on our experience so far, this is not colonial pipeline, but typical fraud or scam matter. You, you see that they transfer money all out of the wallet that the victim paid money into and move into several wallets, but there is always an exit point where they want to cash down. And that's the point we usually trace to, to provide some sort of um, uh, bullets to, 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 to the victim or the lawyers to sort of say, hey, we managed to link all these transactions from this wallet to an exit point, say a, a, a crypto exchange, you know, then that's where gotcha. the person... Right can take further action. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fantastic. Oh, Josh and Mark, this has been, this has been fascinating. I guess, you know, we're obviously seeing a lot of organizations, um, looking to embrace crypto and NFTs and so forth and the blockchain more generally. Just maybe to finish up, you know, what is, what's some advice around, you know, how organizations, um, can do that? And then I guess, you know, a secondary question will be, um, uh, also, to the extent that someone feels like they've got some sort of crypto fraud or something, you know, what could happen with that? But maybe just first off, some ideas around what should organisations be looking for as far as internal controls and things of that nature? I don't know. I felt that it, the first point, of course, you find a, a reputable exchange. Right. And and if you're a company, to see, check whether the exchange supports companies' accounts or not rather than individual. And then from there, you have... You know, your, your KYC process that you have to go through and every, everything's in one place. Whereas if you set up a private account or a private wallet, there's no, you don't have to go through all those process. So it's, it's really hard to prove your identity if you have a personal wallet or non-custodial wallet. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my first thought. But then what, what do you think, Mark? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's when you start dealing in, private private wallets yeah um for, for a company that's that's going to be really dangerous yeah. um you know that that um and you know in in the i guess in the best case it will be expensive because you'll need somebody like us to be either um post re- reviewing what happened with that wallet or you know we, we can monitor wallets in real time of course as well but you know it's, it's just an ex- expensive way yeah. to do Business, um, you know, it, I guess it's a little bit the same in terms of the transactions that Josh spoke about, and you know that, that there are ways and techniques that uh, those that are super savvy and high risk takers can undertake to um, make it very hard for people like us to trace transactions. Mm. Um, but um, so, so there, there's there's always going to be a cost trade off. In, ter- in terms of using cryptocurrency at the moment as an on balance sheet thing, um, you know, what, whilst we, t- we take crypto payments because we're, you know, providing services in the crypto world and, and there's some of the entrepreneurs and NFT businesses, et cetera, that they want to pay in cryptos. So we, 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 we only accept that in, um, stable coins or. Okay. Ethereum or Bitcoin. So the major, the major coins and, and we, and we, you know, we cash out straight away. Right. Right. 
because we're an accounting firm. We're not in the business investing yeah. in, in crypto. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, so I think that's, that's an important um, uh, discipline to have in the business. You know, businesses need to stick to doing what they do do best and not um, not not go off on tangents. You know, if if their business is around crypto currencies such as exchanges, we audit a number of exchanges and we we, we also audit um, their compliance plans in terms of their um, their. Compliance procedures for the Oztrack and the anti-money laundering things, which I'm not sure if, if the viewers, um, understand the, the, um, you know, what, whilst crypto is seen to be unregulated at the moment, there, 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 there are current regulations and serious, um, regulations around, um, the exchanges being registered with Oztrack in Australia. Right. Um, and, and hence why there's the know your client, uh, concept and, and the anti money laundering. And, uh, and I know some of the, um, some of the players in the crypto world that have, um, provided services to facilitate an anonymity that they're, they're even stepping up their game now in terms of, you know, for their longevity in the business. So that they're now taking steps to not deal with, um, wallets that have been marked by authorities as either suspicious or um, known organised crime links. Um, so, so the space is con- you know, constantly changing and improving and be- I think becoming more transparent and trustworthy. So from, from a corporate perspective, um, it's not a, it's not a case of, Will it, it's it's really uh, or or if it's 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 when will it be right for a company to be involved? Yeah, yeah, terrific. Well, I mean that that's been fantastic, and I guess any anyone out there who I guess has any questions around the space, or particularly you know if you have been you know a victim of um, of crypto fraud or want to track uh, some crypto transactions, please do reach out to uh, to Mark Bailey and Josh Ho in the crypto forensics team at Hall Chadwick. Uh, so thanks guys. We will let you get back to your day of sleuthing after the <laughs> perpetrators and um, good, good luck with that. It's been, uh, it's been fascinating and um, yeah, we uh, look forward to uh, working together with you and also hearing more in the future. Thanks very much, Mark Bailey and Josh Ho. Thank Fantastic. you. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening to web three from mystery to main street. Nothing in this podcast is legal or financial advice. Have a great day. And remember, every organization needs a Web3 strategy.